We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. This is Cheryl Broderson in studio with Robin Jones Gunn. And believe it or not, we've got part three of Ruthie. And I'm going to get it done this time. Oh, yes, you're going to get it done. And we also did a little research to find out what they were eating. That's right. And this in animal Peru. is called a tabor. And they can be up to 800 pounds. Paper. It was with oh, was pee. that it? Mm-hmm. Ah. I mean, who wants to go catch an 800 pound? It looks like a really, really big yeah, almost an anteater or something. Yeah. yeah, it's like an anteater face. Or an aardvark. It's like, but it doesn't have the hard skin. Hog, yeah. But, oh, well, but yeah. that's what's for dinner. And Ruthie was so <laughs> thankful. So we're doing Ruthie Burt Cornwall. And so far, um, she's received the Lord as a young girl who was, who was born during the Depression, grew up, um, met her sweetheart at college. He's 20 years older than she is. He's from England. Um, They served for six years in Bolivia, uh, way up, 5,000 altitude, uh, feet altitude, uh, serving um, the people, the Quechua, as well as the people on the New Tribes Mission Base. Uh, She learned all these nursing Mm -hmm. skills. She became a health uh, worker. And so now... Uh, they've gone back and they're now serving in uh, Peru with their three children, with their three two children girls and a boy with two children and a boy. And what I forgot to mention is when they went back on furlough, they really felt like the Lord was calling them to Peru. But new tribes did not have any ministry in Peru. So they had to change their affiliation. They became Baptist uh, missionaries because the Baptists did have um outreaches in Peru. So now they're serving in Peru. And as we said, uh, they're eating the fruit of the jungle. Their main diet was rice, bananas, yucca, and fish, monkey, wild pig, tapered, now that we know what it is, Mm -hmm. turtle, and lizard. There were dangers in the jungle. One time, Ruthie and her daughter, Rebecca, were shot at while they were at the river fishing. Mm. Shot at. They didn't, they, she felt the uh, the bullets whiz by them, and she heard the sound. And so she and Ruthie had to dive back into the jungle. There are also army ants that if they reached um, a house or a person, would eat them alive. They would just destroy. So they had, really? and the only deterrent oh. for these ants was water. So they had to keep a bucket of water on hand with them at all times, just to you know throw on the ants if they saw them, because they would the they would march in companies. These ants were, and so if they were headed for your house, you would build a trench and you would put water in it because they wouldn't cross the trench of water. Oh, that's fascinating. Yes. I'd never heard that. Oh, yeah, these are. These were, there were a lot of stories about those ants, I'll tell you. Another time, Bobby, her son, had an encounter with a poisonous snake, snake that was hiding in the corner of the um, privy, so to speak, oh. in the outhouse. And he saw it in the corner. And he shot out of there, and George dealt with the snake. Another time, Ruthie was in the uh, privy, and the ants start coming in. But again, she had the bucket of water, and she was able to throw it on the ants, oh. so they left her alone. Um, during this time, Louise was sent back to Tamba, the place where they had been, to go to school. And Ruthie and George received uh, permission to teach in the public schools. And they were able to go to the public schools in Peru and teach God's Word. How did they get there? Well, they traveled 
by canoe on the river and then trails walking to get to these schools. So they didn't live near enough to the schools to just go each day. They had to go for mm-hmm. yep. a couple days at a time yep. or something? Yep, and the oh, river trips could be so precarious. After a year of teaching, Ruthie and George stopped because they felt it took them too far away from the mm-hmm. village that they were called to minister. And mm-hmm. again, it was taking too much time away. Um, her kids are also her, uh, Bobby and... Um, Rebecca are also in school, but they're in a school that's closer to where they're living in um, Peru. Now, George was always leading people to Jesus. He went wherever he was invited. One invitation involved going to a place called Tumapasa, and George kept trying to go and kept trying to go and kept getting delayed and delayed by one interruption after another. Later, he learned that it was a ruse and that the woman— was a witch doctor who feigned interest in the gospel, but actually had put poison in the bread that she planned on serving George and ended up killing other villagers. Villagers, um, she used the poison on someone else and she was arrested. So they realized that God had protected George. So you see that there are dangers not only from the critter, so to speak, and the atmosphere, but also from some of the people um, that were resentful, you know, of the gospel going out and saving people. George built a boat and he equipped it with an outboard motor. This was big. This was big to have an outboard uh, motor so that they wouldn't have to paddle for all these river trips. One time during the summer, they took their kids camping on a beach off of the Amazon River, right? Because that's Mm -hmm. the river we're talking about. And a jaguar was sniffing all around their tent Outside And Ruthie began to pray, um, especially that her son Bobby wouldn't get excited and say something and the jaguar rip into their tent and hurt them. And so Ruthie treated most of the people from her own house and her house became like the, um, you know, like a a mock hospital almost. So um, at one point. Ruthie and George were called upon to save a young boy named Saul. His mother was mentally deranged and he killed her other children with a knife. Mm. Now she was trying to to sell little Saul into slavery. The Burts bought Saul and adopted him as their own. Then they adopted another little boy who was rejected. His name was Gilberto because he was recovering from TB. Mm. And so he was an outcast because of the tuberculosis. So Ruthie was not only meeting the medical needs, but also sewing shirts, dresses, clothes for her own children. And Bobby, her one son, became very adept um, with Gilberto and Saul at carving and making their own canoes and boats. You know, he he was learning these skills also. Again, mosquitoes were a constant annoyance and nets were always a necessity. Um, But the Lord used uh, Ruthie and George and their family because of their unending kindness and generosity. At one time, Ruthie was able to save a man's leg from amputation, and the village never forgot how the Lord worked through her. This man was told by the hospital, we have to amputate your leg. He didn't want to. And she just um, kept him at her house and kept cleaning it every day Mm. and um, pulling out the poison Mm. until the leg healed up and he was able to walk again on it. In 1974, George and Ruthie began to feel that there was um, 
that their time among the Bini people was drawing to a close. Many of the villages, uh, villagers uh, were now saved and teaching the Bible themselves. And they began to feel, oh, I'm sorry, they're still in Bolivia at this time. This is when they begin to feel called to Peru. <laughs> so they had served in the ah. jungle for over 10 years, and it was time for their next furlough. So now so they, that jungle home they were in was, was in Bolivia. Part of Bolivia. Okay. Part of Bolivia. Yes. Sorry about that, people. I've been steering you down the wrong way. That was <laughs> in Bolivia. So now they're feeling called to Peru. And they had served in the jungle for over 10 years. So it was time for furlough. And this is new tribes again did not have the um did not have the missionary outpost. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so they had to uh, apply to be Maranatha Baptist missions, missionaries. I love that, Maranatha. And they felt called to a place called Tushmo in Peru, in the Amazon basin. By the time the children were all placed in boarding schools, Rebecca had been at the Tambo uh, school now. um, And they were actually closer, even though they were in Peru, to where um, they had been when they were ministering in Bolivia. So now she was able to come home on weekends. And Louise... Um, and their son could live at home and walk to their school. Uh, their Bolivian boys, when returned to serve in the military in, Bol- in um, Bolivia, because really? he, he couldn't go to Peru. Mm. But um, Gilbert was not allowed to serve in the military because of his TB, so he was able to go to Peru with them. They were able to build a house on stilts, put a fence around this property and dig a well. The whole roof was 16 feet by 16 feet and divided into three rooms. Again, they have a separate building with a thatched roof and a mud floor for their kitchen and gathering place. And they would light it with a kerosene lamp. Now they're really living meagerly. Their home um, was like most of the homes in um, where they lived, except for... Um, they used boards to partition the rooms off where the people in town used mosquito netting for partitions mm. between the rooms. Lights in the village houses were made from an empty condensed milk can with a hole at the top. Kerosene was poured inside and then a makeshift wick was inserted through the hole and it became their lamparina. Lamparina. Doesn't sound too safe, does it? No. <laughs> So these people oh. are the Kokoma people, and they um, they were told by uh, former missionaries that the work would be difficult. In fact, they were told this, you won't stay with the Kokomas long because they do not respond to the gospel. But rather than leaving or losing hope, this made Ruthie and George pray harder. That was their response. Oh, we just have to pray harder. During the first seven months, the Lord placed on Ruthie's heart a desire to get uh, to start teaching the children of Tushmo Bible stories. So she invited the children into her kitchen and she told them the Bible stories using a flannel graph. The children loved it so much they started bringing their mothers. Now, a member of the Communist Party and a leader in the village named Geraldo was part of the Shining Light, a very, very dangerous Communist guerrilla yes. party. But Ruthie talked to him and gave him a book called The Mind of a Communist. Geraldo read it, and it changed his mind about the things he was embracing. From there, he began to read the New Testament. Then he gave his life to Jesus, and he became a great man of faith, even a pastor. Ruthie took up her medical work again. This time, she had to register with the Peruvian authorities. They could hear and observe where they were 
all the pagan customs going around, uh, going on around mm-hmm. them. A witch doctor lived about a hundred feet from their house. One time, as Ruthie was walking by, she saw five ladies laughing and chewing and then spitting into this um, vat. Later, she found out they were making a fermented drink from chewing kernels of corn, then spitting in them into this big vat where they would add water. Is that like mm-hmm. so gross? Our listeners can't see how much I'm shivering yes. over here. Every yes. now and then, Cheryl and I just make faces at each other Ugh. and keep going, but you yes. don't hear that. That's just, why she's so ooh. amazing. Yeah. So Ruthie and George continued to pray for inroads. Ruthie began teaching sewing classes, and the women loved to attend the classes and learn how to sew. Um, by this time, electricity began to come into the village, and the homes might be without light or running water, but they began to see people putting up antennae for television. Oh, how interesting. Isn't that crazy? Because this is almost the 70s by now. They were right. still in the okay, 1960s. Yeah, yeah, in the late 60s, late 60s, right. Ruthie and George were able to find a bigger lot and build a bigger house and church. George was not a builder. So their church in Pennsylvania sent down a team. These men were surprised by their accommodation, a raised wood platform in the middle of a jungle with banana leaves for mattresses and mosquito nets. Oh, yeah. We forgot to give you that one detail before you came down. That's right. Spent all that money and came. The church was built. The children of the village loved George so much and flocked around him, calling him grandfather. Many of the people attended the church and grew in their walk with Jesus. One night, six ruffians came in to the church. One of those boys was named Moses. And George led all six boys to Jesus. Beautiful. Moses walked away for a while, and they were worried about Moses. But then he returned to Jesus under conviction of his sin and later became a pastor, even going to seminary. Um, One Christmas, uh, Ruthie was worried about what she would get the children for Christmas, and she had just a little extra money. And she'd gone into... uh, one of the uh, main um, towns in Peru. And she was going through the market and she looked over and she saw ketchup. And there was three bottles of ketchup and she bought a bottle of ketchup for each of her children for Christmas. (laughs) And they were overjoyed. But that just shows you, you know, the poverty, the sacrifices and the thankfulness. Um, At this time, the church had over a hundred people coming Ruthie was asked by the villagers in Tushmo to set up a medical post. The villagers themselves bought it and supplied it, and Ruthie ran it. When Louise went to college, Rebecca and Bobby went to live um, with um, her family in Pennsylvania so that they could continue their education. Gilbert um, went to college in Bolivia and became a teacher at a school. He married, had three children, and he died at 43 due to complications from his tuberculosis. The Burts took um, a furlough in 1977. George returned to Peru, but Ruthie stayed back to be with Bobby um, for his senior year of high school and help him get into college. And there, while in the state, she renewed her U.S. citizenship. When Bobby went to college, Ruthie returned to Peru, and the Burts bought a motorcycle, and Ruthie was the designated driver because perhaps you remember, George never learned to drive <laughs> or got a license. And how old is George by now? Almost 70? Yep. 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 And after getting um, a dinner one night at a nice restaurant, they almost had a near accident. Um, but she felt like she all of a sudden just threw on the bla- brakes 
and the motorcycle skidded to a stop. It was more like a um, a bicycle that ran on gas, actually, and it skidded to a stop. And you know, George is like, you know, why did you do that? And she's like, I don't know. I felt like the spirit told me to. They shined their flashlights and realized they were on the edge of a huge chasm mm. that the road had just fallen off, and they didn't know that. Wow. Um, so they made their way around it. And the next day when Ruthie went into town for supplies, the bike broke in half. Oh, absolutely in half. So one man that Ruthie treated was named Miguel, who was a soldier. He became a Christian. Ruthie and George discipled him and helped him go to seminary. And he became a pastor, too, and was used mightily of God in Peru. And let's remember, this is where people said, oh, don't go there. The people won't receive exactly. you. They're yes, not going to want this you to church, stay there. Right. And these young wow. men are being raised up and becoming pastors. So they bought a truck. Um, again, Ruthie is a designated driver. This is their first time they've owned a car, right? And it's a truck. And they purchased a film. I've never heard this film. It's called The Burning Hell. <laughs> and a projector. Oh, wow. And they would take this film to these villages and they would set up a little theater with a sheet and the projector. And um, they would show the movie. George would give a message. And many, 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 many people responded to Jesus after the movie. So one day they're, you know, out about to show the movie and the truck breaks down in one of the most dangerous areas of Peru. And there are dangerous areas. And this man volunteers to help them. And he says, you know, I'm just going to go get some supplies and I'll fix uh, your truck. But Ruthie and George had a bad feeling about him Mm. after he took a coil out of their engine. They said, something's not right Mm. here. So as they were prayed, all of a sudden these Americans came down the road in Peru of all places. And they volunteered to tow the truck to a mechanic in town. Another time they were driving and Ruthie said she was dying to eat some cheese and they saw a cheese stand on the side of the road. So they pulled over uh, to get some cheese when they realized that they had been leaking brake fluid and their trip was all downhill. Very precarious. So this was so dangerous. So they decided to um, just follow the brake fluid back to see if they could find the brake cap, and they did. They went back, and Ruthie, just that day, had filled the car with brake fluid, but apparently she hadn't um, screwed the cap on all the way. So they screwed Mm -hmm. the um, cap on all the way. They had plenty of um, brake fluid to make it back. They were on their second term in Peru. All their children had graduated from college when they heard that Bobby, their son, had been in a bad accident. Ruthie flew to the States to be with him. Bobby fully recovered. The people in the village, in the meantime, were so impressed with George's integrity that he didn't look at other women, even when his wife was gone, that more people joined the church. George was now 75 years old, and though he wanted to stay in the mission field, he no longer had the strength. They sold the film, their projector, said their goodbyes, and returned to the mission headquarters in Mississippi. They had served for over 30 years in the mission field. They returned in 1986. They had been home for two years when George was walking home after he had finished work at the mission house. It was a hot day on August 30th, 1989. George did not look well when he arrived home. Ruthie watched him. After dinner, he went to bed. In the middle of the night, he asked Ruthie to take him to the hospital. He had a heart attack. They performed open heart surgery, and he was recovering when she got a call on September 2nd, 1989, 
that he had died. They had been married for 34 years. George had had a beautiful singing voice and had made several recordings. So at his memorial, Ruthie played them. And she said it was the sense that they all knew he was alive and singing in heaven. Just so beautiful. Beautiful, yes. So Ruthie wanted to return to the mission field. So she joined um, Source of Light Mission International in Madison, Georgia. She moved from... um, Natchez uh, to Georgia and became the director of the Spanish Mission Department. Now, remember, she's only in her um, 50s. 50s. Yeah, mm-hmm. mid 50s almost. So um, she worked with um, Source of Light, um, helping them with the Bible lessons in Spanish. And many people volunteered to help with the work. Ruthie had been working there for five years when she met a widow, uh, Bob Cornwell. And he had lost his wife to cancer. He volunteered there. He would drive uh, from Missouri all the way down just to help Hmm. um, once a week. Well, they soon fell in love, and they got married November 25th, 1995. She was 61 years old. They lived um, in a farmhouse just a short drive from SOL headquarters. Bob and Ruthie were able to go to Peru, and Bob was able to see firsthand the work that Ruthie and George had done in Peru. Ruthie was encouraged to see how well the church and the people were doing. In 2002, Ruthie and Bob went back to Tushmo again with 600 pairs of eyeglasses to distribute and fit to those in need. Bob was able to check people's eyes and make sure they got the right glasses. People started arriving at 4 o'clock in the morning and lining up for these glasses. Remarkable. Mm -hmm. Ruthie returned to Peru in 2004 with her sister, Martha. Bob had gotten ill from altitude sickness on the previous trip, so he did not go. Ruthie went back again in 2006. One of the services was led by Miguel Gonzalez. Oh, that's great. um, Who George had led to the Lord and Tushmo. Bob and Ruthie were able to go to Chile and help with the work program for prisoners. Ruthie and Bob were getting older, and the farmhouse was getting too much for them. They moved to Alabama. While working in Alabama with the associate school, Ruthie was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and yet she continued to work till she couldn't. Mm. At 76 years old in 2010, Ruthie and Bob volunteered to work in the Sunday school department of their church. Don't you love that? Yes. McCullough Bible Church. I mean, nothing's going to stop this woman. Not Parkinson's, not age. I can tell the next generation about the good things God has done. They absolutely, they team taught. They love teaching Sunday school together. And they watched many of their students grow into young adults. Adults. Ruthie's autobiography ends there. However, Ruthie's obituary reads that she died on March 27, 2021, at age 87. And Bob had died just a few years before she did. Full of life. Full of life. Blessed by God. Yes. Even with Parkinson's disease, you know, diagnosed at 76 with yeah. Parkinson's, she goes on. Uh, to teach Sunday school and live for another 11 years. And um, wow. they, they, were, uh, they actually moved to a little retirement home. And from there, they would, they would go and um, teach Sunday school. And they would uh, lead Bible studies and groups, even in this retirement home. I mean, she was going to serve Jesus wherever she was, yes. in whatever way, an opportunity that she could. 
And she wrote her biography. She wrote it herself in her 80s. Actually, I'm sorry, autobiography. Mm -hmm. And the value of that cannot be underestimated. There are many people who feel like, I should tell my grandma's story or I have an interesting story. But they hesitate because they don't feel like a professional writer. But the value is there. And just tell the story. Tell the story. Just tell us what God did. Exactly. Because that's the eternal part that is faith building for the rest of us. And it becomes a legacy for her yes. children and grandchildren. Yes. I mean, they've got this book where they can say, this is my um, grandma. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have a friend of mine named Pam uh, come on and speak about oh, one good. of her great aunts uh, who wrote a book because she also served on the mission field. But those firsthand accounts from somebody who's like so proud, popping buttons, that was my aunt. <laughs> and she was amazing. Yeah. And I met her. And so um, Pamela Wing is going to come on and, and share. And I'm really looking uh, forward to that episode. Just, yes. I think that's going to be at least a two to three parter. But, you know, we seem to just kind of run into these double and triple parts. I know. But we really, uh, you and I value those small details. We because do. it helps us to picture it and to see what life yes. was like or what the obstacles were. And that's what builds our courage and faith exactly. that the Lord can take care of anything. That's right. Because if you say she just went to Peru and you leave out the mosquitoes, <laughs> the poisonous snakes. <laughs> and the 800-pound animal. <laughs> right. And the tapers, right? You leave that part out and what their diet was. You don't understand um, the sacrifice mm-hmm. and the value of the sacrifice and traveling by canoes and electric bikes and the danger and all of that. Jesus was so worth it. So worth it. And souls were so worth it to see people saved. How they were protected and led. And now the Lord's telling us to go to Peru or just that sense of being in the process of following Jesus. You don't know where he's going to take you. That's right. But by faith, he's always gone. He's there already. He will provide. He'll take care of you. And you see, too, how all those circumstances, instead of uh, Ruthie resenting the poverty she had or living on a a farm or Mm -hmm. having to work all those different jobs just to have money for clothes, instead of resenting that. She could look back and say, oh, it was all purposeful. And yeah. I think so many times I I think about Elisha and the widow that comes to him and says, look, you know, I'm in these dire straits. They're coming to uh, take my sons because of a debt that my husband incurred. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to have no support and my sons are going to be slaves. And he says to her, what do you have in your house? And I think so often that we don't realize that our past experience of, you know, your childhood, how you grew up, and even the things you love to do, your hobbies. Yes. God uses all of that when he calls you um, to service, wherever the service is. Yes. You know, um, we, we said earlier, Johnny, our producer, is the one that came in with his phone and said, this is a taper. This is what it looks like. This is how much it weighs. <laughs> And I think about you know how much went into Johnny's life to prepare him to be an incredible yes. producer. We Kudos. are so grateful for Johnny. Yes. But I think, and you know, your life, loving to tell stories and mm-hmm. that gift of writing, even as a child in imagination. It's all a gift. It's all and a gift. And to see it that way and be grateful. And even the pain. It's when it just opens up the right. opportunities of what right. God's just. His desire to accomplish his purpose in our lives, we are 
just able to experience so much more than when we're trying to be in control and limit and it has to be this way. Right, control it. And so I think that's really our takeaway from Ruthie Burt Cornwall. Besides the sweetness, um, that all things, the all things. And we do love that she was called Ruthie. I, I mean, it's it. such a sweet, friendly. Is it? I'm not Ruth. I'm Ruthie. I'm Ruthie. That's so it. approachable. Yes. So approachable. So this is Cheryl Broderson in studio again with my friend and colleague. Robin Jones-Gunn. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. And until um, our next uh, great story, we pray that God richly blesses you. Amen. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Robin on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK at CCCM.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn.